Welcome to All Points In Between, the travel podcast that definitely packed the tea bags. So it just can't find them right now. I'm joined today by a guest who will be giving me another crash course in travelling around the country that I don't really know that much about. That guest is Jean Bonds, and she's from International Leadership Outreach. Jean, welcome to the show. Thank you, Martin. I'm so grateful for the invitation. Oh, it's brilliant to have you. So, Jean, can you tell us what country we're going to be talking about today? Kenya! <laughs> Kenya! <laughs> heading heading out to East Africa. I've just done a trip myself down to Senegal on the West Coast, so we've been doing a lot of talking about that on the show recently. But, yeah, it'll be good to cross the continent and go talk about the other side of it. So Fantastic. So can you tell me a little bit about your connection with Kenya and your history with the country? Yes, I was invited to teach English as a second language uh, in 2012. And so that was my first trip. Uh, and in that particular subject is my favorite subject to teach. And I went uh, to this person's uh, home and stayed with them and uh, got to know the uh, school that he was the founder of in that particular year. Yeah. And it's, I find that TEFL, I've got quite a few friends who do that as it just gives you a good opportunity to be able to travel around, doesn't it? And yes. see yeah. lots of places. It's perhaps one of the advantages of speaking English as a first language. It just gives you that opportunity, doesn't it? Right. Yes. So that first trip that you went over there, how long were you there and teaching? I was just there for three days. Uh, I had planned to go to a different country and the gentleman that I had been talking to uh, was going to go there too, but he couldn't get a visa out of the country. So this is the issue that, um, you know, it's uh, more, more easy for us in the United States to travel to different countries and it's harder for people in other countries to go where they might want to go. So I changed my mind at the last minute. It was like 24 hours and I just said, okay, I'm going to go to Kenya instead. And uh, that was a really great decision. When I got there, I just cried. I felt like I was at home. It was an amazing, amazing experience. Oh, that's that's really cool that you're just able to do that on such a short notice, really. How, uh, how did you manage to arrange that in such a short amount of time? To change my airfare? <laughs> well, it's very expensive to do that last minute. And uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm a faith based organization, so it was definitely an act of faith. <laughs> that's, that's certainly yeah, certainly one way of thinking about it. Of the travel agent, yeah. So, when you got into the country, then did you have anywhere arranged to stay or anything, or with it being such short notice, did you just have to kind of pick up and run with it as you arrived? So this is the beauty of connecting with people who are in another country. Uh, they usually arrange everything. Uh, in my more recent trips, I have a host and hostess that I stay in their home. But uh, that has been my experience throughout my time in Kenya, is that uh, a lot of the arrangement has been with uh, the people that I have engaged with in that country. And in terms of thinking about like if we were advising other people about traveling to the country, what sort of things might they need to consider when they're putting their travel plans together? Yeah, definitely 
really want to make sure you get your malaria medication because the mosquitoes are for real. <laughs> Uh, and they love me. They find me wherever I'm at. So <laughs> um, you don't want malaria. That's not a comfortable thing to have at all. <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah. I'm usually not very tasty to mosquitoes. I think the only place where I've had real trouble with it was when I was driving down the Balkans and I ended up with just even below my knee, I gave up counting because I got to about 50 bites. But <laughs> other than that i've been broadly okay with that but yeah so oh. so yeah certainly the malaria jab uh, are there any other ones that people need to consider when they're heading to kenya so actually they're pills and the basic idea is that uh you have to start taking it prior to like the very day that you leave and then you take it for the entire time you're there and seven days after so um, it's a preventative measure so that you don't get malaria. Okay. Sorry, I'm getting mixed up there, aren't I, with some of the other It's okay if you don't know. <laughs> yeah, if you don't know, then that's kind of one of the exceptions to all the different things. Uh, you know, you want to consult with an international nurse and or person, you know, doctor or whatever who would uh, know what's happening in the country currently and can advise you what kind of um, you know, yellow fever or typhoid or whatever to take to make sure uh, that, you know, you don't have experience those uncomfortabilities. <laughs> it, yeah, it certainly works out better that way. Enjoy the trip a bit more. How long does it take to fly there from, so you're based in Washington State out on the west of the west coast of the US. How long does it take to get to Kenya from there? Two days. <laughs> So um, from SeaTac to Amsterdam, it's a 10-hour flight. And from Amsterdam to Nairobi, it's an eight-hour flight. So, and then, you know, the time difference. So we start in the middle of the day and we end up the next day in the evening. And then uh, I like to go after that. I like to fly to the place where I'm going to be, which if you go by road, it's six hours to Kimilili. Uh, but uh, if you fly, it's an hour. So depending upon... At the time of day that you arrive in Kenya, how you can get to to that location. It's, you know, it might be overnight you have to sleep and then get up in the morning and fly another flight. So, yeah, it's a little bit of a jog. <laughs> you gain a little bit back, though, when you return. <laughs> uh, I always find it so much easier doing the west, no, the east to west flights. I always find the mm -hmm. west to east are a bit of a killer for jet lag. <laughs> So perhaps we can talk a little bit about Kimilili, the place where you were staying. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Uh, it's, it's not it's not a place I'm familiar with. Is it a large town or village? Or... Well, they consider it rural. And I am like, well, how is this rural? There's 10,000 people here. However, <laughs> the issue is that, you know, Nairobi is huge, right? And then you've got Kiricho and Nakuru and uh, all these other locations that are uh, large as well, but very few people go to Kimilili. And so uh, it's, a, it's a smaller in that regard uh, than it is to, and, and you know, if you want any of the, like what we would call um, the American ideal of vacation and such people go to Nairobi or they go to Mombasa, which is on the coast. Uh, but most people don't go to the other cities because it doesn't have, you know, the the amenities and 
accommodations, but that's not why I go. <laughs> oh, so yeah, why why is it that what what keeps you drawing you back there? Well, I fell in love with the country. I fell in love with the people. And uh, if you don't mind me uh, talking about my faith, you know, that no, of course. the issue. Thank you. Uh, the issue is that uh, I just wanted to be able to speak about things that I felt were true. And uh, that opportunity did not present itself in the U.S., but it did in the in the uh, Kenyan culture. They always allow me to speak in their pulpit. And it's just a, a treat and a treasure to be able to do that. And so... Uh, I went not knowing what I was going to do, and each um, trip that I took advanced my work and also put me in touch with other people. So have many, I want to say they're resources, people that I know in Kenya that I can rely on as I do my traveling. And that's why I'm uh, taking five people on a trip to Kenya in December, uh, because I have all those connections already made. And it's just lovely. The people in Kenya are just uh, so hospitable. And their food is delicious and the country is green and fresh. And it's just a, a way to really engage with another culture and another group of people that's out of, you know, the bubble that you might be in. Yeah, and like you say, being able to have that common social activity that you can be using to meet people in the community and get involved. I mean, my personal version of that is I tend to rock up at a local football team in whatever place I'm passing through to you know meet local people and get chatting yeah like you say being able to get involved in the local church and kind of embed yourself into the community in a little bit is yeah just very helpful for that for that sense of integration really so oh, I love your word integration that's beautiful <laughs> yes <laughs> Hey, yes. hey, and they consider themselves a Christian uh, uh, country. So uh, they have churches everywhere in, an, in a number of denominations. I was really surprised when I went to see how many denominations were there. Uh, yeah. And I ended up in a Pentecostal mm -hmm. denomination. And what happened on this ninth trip that I took in the end of 21 and the beginning of 22 is I took reusable sani pads to Kenya and uh, the women there were like, we think we can make these. And I was like, okay. And so when I came home, I began to have Zoom meetings with the with my group of people in, in Kenya who were interested in doing this project. And uh, we began a project where we teach the women and children and, or the women and girls, I should say, and there's a man, <laughs> uh, how to yeah. sew sandy pads. And uh, so far we've given out 280 kits uh, for girls that are vulnerable to. So what happens in Kenya, if they don't have access to sandy pads is they stay home from school five to seven days a month. And then yeah. uh, their grades go kind of down. And so then the yeah, parents are imagine. like, well, why should we pay for you to go to school? And so they drop out, they get married early, you know, they have children, um, you know, they, they do interesting things to get a sandy pad so they can stay in school right and some of those girls get pregnant from from pursuing you know having sex with somebody so that they can get a sandy pad and so by giving this uh, we developed a kit that has uh, sandy pads panties and a soap and when we give that ten dollar kit to a girl she's then able to use that kit for three years and stay in school and it changes her life and all subsequent generations uh, and now we have a person who has graduated from the class 
And we, uh, when I went in April, we took money for her to have her own sewing machine, machine so she can have a business in her home and begin to uh, su support herself and her family in ways that she never was able to before. So it's it's just, this whole thing is just mushroomed into something that I never could have imagined. <laughs> yeah, it's a fascinating project that, and it sounds like it really just built up out of a conversation that you ended up having with people in the community. There was this need identified, and like you say, people were just able to see, actually, yeah, we're able to do this. And there was there was kind of that support, really, that allowed it to, all end up taking off and like you say it's such a small thing that makes a big difference yes a huge difference and so then i garnered some uh donors here in the u.s and uh, just have moved forward and when i went on this last trip uh the the lady that i took with me was a friend of 39 years she lost her son in may of last year he was 30 and she was grieving and i said come with me to kenya and let the people of kenya love on you and she her <laughs> life was transformed so this is the experience I've had. I've taken six people to Kenya at various trips and various times, uh, you know, not six at once. That's why this new trip in December is going to be fantastic to take more. Yeah. And every time the people that have gone to Kenya with me, when they have returned, their lives are completely different. They have a fresh perspective. They have more confidence. They feel empowered. They want to do something in their own community. And so we started fundraising and she's now the president of my, of international leadership outreach, the nonprofit that I founded. So when, when you first started doing this, when you first started going over to Kenya, did you find any, any difficulties with being over there? Were there any issues with culture shock, say, or, or anything else that perhaps you didn't expect? Yes. Well, I had traveled before. My parents were travelers and they had taken me to Mexico City and I was 16. So <laughs> I never complained about the U.S. again after that. So I, I had some small experience of going to another country and what that was like. I don't think that it was culture shock. I think that what happens when you're out of the, the bubble that you know, the familiarity of your space and how you do things, then you you take a fresh look at how you how you are as a human being, right? <laughs> and mm. so um, as far as the language, uh, I never had any issue because someone always spoke English. So there was never that. Uh, you know, the thing is that uh, they love to talk in Swahili or, you know, there's 42 tribes with 42 languages in the yeah. country. So maybe they talk in their own vernacular. That's what they call it, their own vernacular. And so they might be talking, 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 and then so suddenly they announced to me something and I wasn't part of the conversation. So I didn't know what they were discussing. Right. And so then suddenly we're going to do something and I didn't know. <laughs> so that's always a little for me in particular, that was just a little bit like, oh, OK, I didn't know that was happening, you know, and that's the other thing, too. You know, I'm I'm not about to go driving in Kenya. They drive on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> I I think I I would beg to differ on that. <laughs> yes, I know you would. Uh, so anyway, so people drive me wherever I need to go. So that's the other portion portion of it. You know, here in the U.S., if I need something, I hop in my car and go get it. Right. So there, you know, you have to ask, and you know, there's this uh, constant like, well, I need this thing or whatever. You know, how do I? And so it's a lot of negotiation with the host and hostess and conversation and things like that. So. 
Um, I didn't find any of that to be, you know, an issue. Uh, the issue that was the most, um, I don't know what you want to say. You know, I've gone to Kenya 10 times. So every time it was me developing myself more and learning more about myself. And, you know, you can imagine if a person goes once and their life is transformed, how transformed my life is from doing that. And so I was always confronted by my own idea of myself, right? And that's the magic and beauty of going to Kenya. It's a safe way to do it when you're with people that, you know, you feel safe with. Uh, and, you know, it's an experience that transforms you and you have to be up for that. <laughs> as well as the time where you've been, well, where you keep going back to, are there, have you traveled very widely elsewhere in Kenya? Oh my goodness, yes. So this is the funny part about the whole thing. Like I went to Kenya to uh, do a work to share myself and, you know, the scriptures and what I know about the word of God. And what happened was they all, were all like, well, since you're here, you should do this and you should do that and you should do the other thing. And they would take me. So when I talk to people in Kenya and I tell them where I've been, they're like, you're more Kenyan than we are because I've been all over the country. It's crazy. So are there any places in particular that you'd recommend to somebody who's never been to the country, uh, kind of highlights trip, um, you could say? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, as beautiful and amazing as Nairobi is, there's a lot of other glorious places. If you have the time and you can do it, um, travel down south to Kamana and to, uh, and if you, if you can, like this is what I was able to do in 2013, go into Tanzania and to uh, visit Arusha and then go and see Mount Kilimanjaro. You can also see Mount Kilimanjaro from Kamana. So you don't have to leave the country either way. <laughs> um, it's a, it's a beautiful mountain and it, it's not like uh, here in the U S we have where I'm at in Washington state, there's Mount Rainier and some of these other beautiful uh, mountains, but they're part of a mountain range. So you have the mountain range and then you have yeah. the mountain, right? But there in Kenya, Mount Kilimanjaro, there's nothing around it. It's just like, whoop, here goes the mountain, you know? And it's really something to see nothing for miles and miles. And then here's this like huge mountain. And it only shows its face in the morning and the evening. So during the day, it's clouded over. So you want to go, you know, to knowing that. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then uh, Nakuru is beautiful. There's Lake Nakuru. Uh, Kiricho is beautiful. They have tea plantations there. So those are a couple of other places that I've been and that are beautiful. Um, just to experience, you know, the the depth and width of the country as opposed to just going to one location um, would be fantastic for people. Yeah, I very much agree with that. And I do find that often when I'm talking to people as I go around. So I live in a motorhome and just kind of travel around. And I do find that when I talk to people, they're often quite like, oh, actually, I've never been there. And it can often help advise people. It's yeah, it's a really good thing to do. So we've touched on this a little bit already. But when you return to the USA, perhaps your first time, maybe even your 10th time, was there anything that surprised you when you came back you know anything that perhaps you'd not noticed before you left that actually when you came back you thought oh that's an odd cultural thing that we do here 
Yes, well, I have been examining myself. So this is the the thing that I do and that I think happens to people who travel as they examine themselves. So in Kenya, they have a, a dish called ugali. And uh, traditionally, they eat with their hands. They take a scoop of the ugali. It's um, It looks like rice and it's a finer grain than that. It's made of corn and it has no taste whatsoever. And they put sauce and different things on it. And they scoop a little bit of the ugali and they scoop it onto their food. And then that's how they eat. You know, um, I don't like that because of my nails. I don't prefer getting <laughs> my nails and stuff, you know, but then I've been examining myself about this because uh, I've insisted all this time. I'm not going to eat ugali like that. You know, please give me a spoon and fork. But I'm amazed. Like I eat chicken with my hands. I cook food and then I've got my hands in it. Like I'm like, okay, I've really not accepted this cultural thing that they do. And I do it in my country. So what's the deal here? You know, so this is the kind of thing uh, that happens to me. The other issue is that uh, I never knew how grateful I was for the standard of toilets that we have here in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, and, I hear and, that a lot. You know, you go down the road and there's a rest area and you can get you drive off your car off to the road. You can rest a little bit. You can use the restroom blah, blah, blah. And those rest areas are not available from one point to another within Kenya. So <laughs> it's interesting. And, uh, you know, culturally, the people don't necessarily have all of the best accommodations. So uh, I have the utmost gratitude for our standard of living and the, the toilets that we have available to us in the public. It certainly helps. I've been very happy to have the toilet in my motorhome quite a lot of the time. The other thing that I wanted to talk to you about is your role with international leadership outreach. Can you just give me a bit of an overview of who who that is and what you guys do? Thank you. Uh, yes, so International Leadership Outreach is a nonprofit that I uh, founded in, almost two years ago now in August. And it was built with the idea that we would ha take immersion trips to Kenya and develop uh, networking and leadership capacity between the folks who left the country to go to Kenya and those in Kenya. And now you see with the SaniPad project, that's beginning to develop because uh, even though I'm doing the financial support of that, those people in Kenya are doing the leadership of that project and hiring the instructors and making sure that everything's going well and delivering the SaniPads and so on. And so uh, we got to see that project uh, when we went there in April. And so that'll be the thing that will occur when we go in December is we'll get to see the project. And the idea is to, to expand our uh, capacity as leaders, you know, to engage with people in another culture and uh, see how we can help them. And it's not like, you know, traditionally what happens with NGOs is that they just throw money at something or, you know, the white American public is typically known for that. Uh, and so <laughs> I am the, very the old, grateful. Um, white savior trope kind of thing. Exactly. Yes, you got yeah. it. And I'm so grateful that what occurred was that they said, we think we need this. And that's what prompted me to help them. So it's a mutually uh, growth kind of process. Like, as they grow and learn and do, then I have to grow and learn and do, right? And so in the beginning, you know, there wasn't a lot of structure to this little nonprofit that I created. And just on Sunday, I had a team meeting and we've now um, uh, voted in a complete board 
of directors that are here in the U.S., whereas in the past, some of the people in Kenya have been carrying a couple of those leadership roles. And I, I really was wanting it to be in the U.S. Uh, because it's sometimes, you know, the Internet quality is not that great communicating with Kenya. Anyway, and so now this person who's going to be the president, she's never done anything like that before. So then it's uh, encouraging for me to uh, assist her in developing her leadership. And so that's what it is, international leadership outreach. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, it sounds like a really interesting project. So how how do you maintain that engagement with the host communities? I'm just thinking here, particularly with the directors now being based in the United States, whereas they were in Kenya in the past. How, how do you maintain that engagement in, in that situation? Bless you. That is a really wonderful question. So um, on my fifth trip, I met my host and hostess. Um, when I went to Kimilili, I was taking a tour of Kenya and speaking in all these churches. And um, when he translated for me, it felt like he was speaking from my own heart and that created a bond and a relationship that has traversed the, the incredible distance halfway around the world. <laughs> and so we've maintained on WhatsApp and telegram or not telegram. Um, what's the other one? Uh, I can't Sign even think of the signal signal. Thank you. Bless <laughs> you. Uh, you know, communicating back and forth. Occasionally we'll have a phone call. And so then I've just kept going after that. So you can imagine the fifth trip, um, each trip after that, I went to, to Kimilili, except for the next trip, because that's when I took my rabbi and a friend of mine, and we felt that his health was not sufficient for us to travel all the way to Kimilili. But the people in Kimilili came down to where I was in Nakuru. So uh, that's the core of it, is that, that nurturing friendship that was created between the host and myself. Um, his name is Bernard Tindavali. And then I think as time went on and people saw my faithfulness and my, they began to trust me. And so his wife now is really a, has a, a strong leadership role in this uh, Sandy Pad project there in Kenya. And uh, now they love me. They just, <laughs> it's really quite something to be loved the way that Kenyan people love you. Yeah. So like you say, you've been able to almost build that infrastructure on the ground that network of individuals and right. you've got you've got almost your directorate in the united states but that is more of an oversight thing really it's very much about the people who are actually based on the ground and you know they they are taking that leadership role within the community by the same absolutely things. absolutely and that was always my desire i never saw myself as better than them and, uh, you know, I appreciate their praise of me. I think that's marvelous. But I see ourselves as partners and collaborating together to build something that's going to make Kimalili and the world a better place, right? <laughs> well, we can all try and do that in our own little way, can't we? Yes, absolutely. So, so in terms of this trip that you're planning a little bit later on in the year, um, I know you're still looking for people to join it. What what will the trip actually involve? Thank you. That's a really great question. So I'm so excited to share that with you. We're going to fly all the way or probably to Kisumu, which is Kisumu is right on Lake Victoria. And hopefully we can have a chance either going or coming to have some fish on the lake. That's always a fun treat. 
And then it's another two and a half hours by car to Kimilili. So we'll get, go there. And if an individual has a, a skill that they can uh, give freely to the community, you know, like if a person is a dentist or a hygienist or chiropractor or uh, some kind of medical person, the, the person that I took in 2018 was a cosmetologist. So she worked with women on how to do their hair, how to um, do makeup and how to uh, do massage on their feet and on their hands and arms. It was just a wonderful experience and the ladies loved it. Uh, And there's a woman who's interested in going this time. She knows how to knit. So teaching them how to knit so they can create uh, something they can sell in the market. So whatever the skill is, and if you don't have a skill, if you just want to share yourself or just want to observe, that's okay too. And then when we're finished with our time in Kimilili, which will be about 10 days, then we'll go to Nairobi and spend a day or two. And we're going to go to the giraffe center where the Rothschild giraffe is a endangered species and be able to feed the giraffe out of our own hand. Uh, if you like, <laughs> have a very long tongue. <laughs> and then uh, also see Na- Nairobi national park, which is right close by Nairobi. And so those are a couple of things, maybe do some, uh, you know, tourist thing, like do some shopping or whatever. So those are some things that we'll be doing on this trip in December. Yeah, so a bit of, like you say, time in the community, seeing the project, how it all works, and then also a little bit of tourist fun as well, seeing um, seeing a bit of wildlife spotting. Yes, and we'll be staying with the people in the host fo- family's home. So it's very engaging because we'll we'll be living with them yeah <laughs> so that all sounds really good and uh, thank you very much for taking time to have a bit of a chat with me there is there anything else that you want to promote to listeners while we have you well there's a couple of things first of all they can come on the trip to uh Kimilili with me in december i only have five spots so it's not for everyone uh and that's um you pay your own airfare and souvenirs, and then it's $2,500 for all expenses in country. And then if they want to support the project, $10 changes the life of one girl. So if you do it $10 a month, you've changed 12 girls' lives. So it's really, really significant. And I have a podcast called Hardscape Journey. It's up on Gumroad for pay what you can. And so those are some things that people can do to engage with me. Yeah, there we go. So have a listen to podcast. Send some money to the charity if you're able to as well. We'll include some of the details in the show notes for this. So if you click through there, you should be able to find absolutely everything. If you want to get in touch with me and talk about this podcast, you can do that via Twitter at AllPointsCast. Or you can hurl abuse at me on Google by emailing allpointspod at gmail.com. Thank you very much for taking time to chat with me today, Jean. I think that's been really interesting. I've certainly learned a bit more about the country and did have a final fact as well. I'm sure that you you already know this, but Kenya is one of the oldest Christian countries in the world. I think, I think Armenia is the only place that beats it. Oh, that's delightful to hear. Thank you. I did not know that. Oh, there you go. Yeah, certainly the, I think it's the Orthodox Church in the country. So yeah, they, there you go. You'll have to um, take that take that little fact with you i'll leave it for you as a gift (laughs) yes thank you that's that is a gift (laughs) all right 
thank you very much and i will speak to you again the next time we have an episode which might be more frequently than once a fortnight we'll just have to see how i go with guests bye Hello, it's Martin here in post. Turns out Kenya isn't actually the second oldest Christian country in the world. I was thinking of Ethiopia. But I sounded pretty confident when I said it, didn't I? Probably could have just styled it out. Anyway, I am a slave to the truth.